All right, our uh, our family loves to watch uh, holiday movies, and uh, there's one in particular that's uh, a particular. Uh, it's a, a kind of a favorite of mine. In fact, we we've actually watched this movie every Christmas Eve for the last 20 plus years. It's the musical version of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's called Scrooge. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that Ebenezer Scrooge is this kind of cold-hearted, tight-fisted, grumpy, miserly, self-absorbed person. Who, who really hates people and hates Christmas um, and everything it stands for. And then one Christmas Eve, he has this encounter with three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And as a result of those encounters, something dramatic happens in his heart and his life. Suddenly, he sees life differently. He sees his resources and his relationships differently. And at the end of this movie, he is this joy-filled, open-hearted, incredibly generous man who is blessing everyone around him. Now, I'm not typically a person who likes to re-watch movies. That seems like a huge waste of time. So I've often wondered, what is it about this particular movie, this particular story, that makes me want to watch it every year? That even though I've seen it 20 plus times and I know how it's going to turn out, each, you know, each time I'm smiling at the end, my heart is filled with joy. What is that? See, I think, I think the best word to describe it is inspiration. That final scene always stirs something in me. It inspires me. It reminds me that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a person who is joyfully generous, who blesses other people, not out of obligation, but out of sheer joy. And here's something else I've just recently kind of realized. Not only is that the kind of person I want to be, it's also the kind of person God has created me to be. And you as well. We are hardwired for generosity. Now, why do I say that? Well, a number of recent scientific studies reveal that giving actually makes us happier and healthier as human beings. Well, one study revealed that giving reduces depression and the risk of suicide in teenagers. Another extensive study revealed that giving protects overall health twice as effectively as aspirin protects against heart disease. Even though we all, we all at times battle with fear and self-absorption and tight-fisted living, all those things, there is something deep within us that yearns to live differently than that. We are created to live differently than that. Our extravagantly generous God loves us so much that he gave us his one and only son so that we could share his life. So what this means is that generosity is not something that's sort of outside of us that we need to try really hard to obtain. No, no, no. It's actually already within us. The spirit of this generous God lives in us. If we place our trust in Christ, he lives in us. And and, and, and so all 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 that we really need then in order for us to live this, 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 this post-Christmas life that Scrooge demonstrates, the only thing needed is that that spirit simply has to be unleashed, right? 
the spirit within us has to be just has to be unleashed. Kind of the fire of generosity that's already in us just needs to be breathed on and, and stoked. We, we just need to have the courage to embrace who God has ultimately made us to be. Okay, so how does that happen? How do we unleash in greater ways this life-giving generosity that is already within us? Well, we find some answers to that question in the book that we're currently studying together, the book of Ruth, which is in the Old Testament. In the book of Ruth, we are introduced to a man named Boaz, who is a man of significant standing and influence in the community. He is a farmer who employs many people. He is a man of integrity and influence. But throughout this story, we realize that there is something else that characterizes the man that Boaz is. And that something is generosity. Boaz is a man who lives out this generous life, who lives out of this generous heart that reflects the, 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 the heart of God. So what is it? that stoked the fire of generosity in Boaz's life. Well, there are, there are three things in his story that I want to highlight, and they, they sort of pattern the past, present, future story of Scrooge, okay? So let's start by looking at the past. Boaz's generosity journey was significantly influenced by something that had happened in the past. See, many, many years earlier, God had given to his people some commandments as it related to how they were to live in the promised land when they finally got there, once they entered into it. And these commandments really reflect the heart of our God. So check out what God told his people in Leviticus 19. This is again, before they've gotten to the promised land, he's already telling them this stuff. Look at this. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them there for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord, your God. This is so powerful. God is telling his people, look, I want you to reflect my generosity in how you do business, in how you harvest your land. In other words, I want generosity to be a part of your everyday life. And Boaz does this. We know in Ruth chapter two, he does this. He follows the command, this particular command of God. He allows the poor to glean in his field. This is how Ruth and Naomi are able to survive, right? This is how they are. They go to Boaz's field. Ruth goes to Boaz's field. It's Boaz's generosity that helps them. And his generosity is actually fueled by, it is rooted in a commandment, a past commandment, um, God had given. It's a choice Boaz made to follow God's commands. Now, there are other Old Testament commands as well that revealed God's heart and his will for his people in the area of generosity. So a few chapters later in Leviticus chapter 27, God says to his people, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. See here, God is establishing this principle that a tithe, which represented 10% of the, the wheat harvest they received or whatever the income they received, that was to be given to the Lord. Why? Well, he says here, it's because it belongs to him. See, tithing was a specific way for God's people to put God first 
in their, in, their, in their financial lives. Again, even before his people entered the promised land, God was giving them these commands to help them establish and practice this lifestyle of generosity. God wanted his people to align their lives with his past commands that he had already given, knowing that when they did so, when they aligned their lives with these past commands, when they did so, it would result in blessing for them. It would result in lives that would reflect God's heart. Okay, now for us as New Testament believers, as New Testament believers, our understanding of God's heart goes beyond these Old Testament principles. See, we are no longer under the Old Testament law, but we are now under a new law, the law of love, the law of love. The love of Christ poured out for us on the cross. This love inspires us to live generous lives. So, so what is the overall generosity principle that God wants us as New Testament believers to pattern our lives after? Well, I think one of the best articulations of this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul is urging the church at Corinth to grow in their financial generosity. And so he starts this chapter by giving them an example of some believers in Macedonia who were in the midst of extreme poverty, and yet they were begging for the opportunity to give to a particular need. Okay, so after he tells that story, he, and he then says to this church, in Corinth, he says, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. See, that's the New Testament approach to giving. It's not bound by some required percentage. It's about the trajectory of our heart. Now, here, here's how I, I, was, I was just, someone mentioned this to me. And I thought, oh, that makes so much sense. So remember how Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount would say things like, you have heard it was said, do not murder, right? That was in the Old Testament, Old Testament command, 10 commandments, do not murder. You've heard that it was said, do not murder. But I say to you, if you call someone a fool, that's just like murder. Or Jesus would say, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Again, that was in the Ten Commandments. That's a command. Do not commit. You've heard that it was said, do not commit, commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who lusts after someone else has committed adultery. See, Jesus wasn't discounting the previous commands about, about um, murder and adultery. But he was expanding the application to include the heart. See, I see tithing in a similar category. You have heard that it was said, give 10% of your income to God. But I say to you, excel in the grace of giving. This isn't about some legalistic requirement, this percentage that we owe God. No, it's about the heart. See, notice the foundational motivation in this statement of Paul's. What's the motivation? Grace. Excel in the grace of giving. See, our giving as New Testament believers is to be a response to God's grace that is lavished upon us. He has poured out his grace lavishly, generously upon us in so many ways, right? And so when we truly understand the extent of his grace toward us, poured out on the cross, when we understand that, it moves us, it motivates us to be generous, not as an ought to, but a want to. 
Huge difference. It's not an ought to. It's a want to, that when grace is at work. See, check out what Paul says in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. See, this isn't about guilt. This isn't about coercion. It is about love. Paul says here, God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is the word from which we get our word hilarious. Okay, God loves a hilarious giver, a giver who is so filled with his love and his grace that they can't wait to give and to do so generously. They can't wait. See, that warms God's heart. That's why he loves a cheerful giver. That is so in line with his heart. He loves it. It warms God's heart. Why does it warm his heart? Well, think, think about it this way. What if on Christmas morning, as I was handing Raylene a gift, I said to her, you know, it was kind of a hassle, actually, to get this. Um, but I know I'm supposed to give you a gift on Christmas because I'm your husband. Um, so here you go. How would that go over? Yeah, not very well. Uh, why not? I mean, she got a gift from me, didn't she? She got her gift. Why, why would that not go over well? She doesn't want the gift as much as she wants my heart. She wants the gift to come from my heart, from my desire. And God wants the same thing. He wants the same thing. So let me just say, if you're giving, if you're giving financially to God, but you're inwardly griping about it, keep your money. Honestly, keep your money. Because God doesn't want your reluctant compulsory gifts. He doesn't. He wants your heart. He wants joy-filled gifts that are given out of the overflow of a heart that is so filled with his love, we can't wait to give to him because of all that he's given to us. That's what he wants. That's what God has communicated to us in his word. So, so one of the ways that we can help unleash the Holy Spirit of generosity that's already within us, one of the ways is to be like Boaz. It's to take seriously what God has spoken in the past in his word and align our lives with that. So it involves an intentional decision to choose to do what God has told us in his word to do. It's right there. It's right there for us to see. So here's what he's told us in his word to do as New Testament believers. Give intentionally and generously in response to his grace towards us. That's the message of the New Testament. Give intentionally and generously, in, not out of obligation, in response to his grace towards us. Okay, that's kind of the past message. Now, uh, it's rooted in the past. A second aspect of Boaz's generosity journey has to do with the present, how he responded to situations in the present. So I want us to fast forward to Ruth chapter three, beginning in verse 14, which is where we left off last week, okay? In this chapter, Ruth courageously follows Naomi's counsel and approaches Boaz about him marrying her. And Boaz agrees that this would be a good thing. He commits himself to pursuing a pathway that will hopefully result in marriage with Ruth. And we'll find out how that turns out next 
next week. So let's unpack the story at verse 14, okay? So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl that you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. So as she gets ready to go home to Naomi, and if you're wondering what Ruth is doing with him at night, all that, listen to last week's message, okay? So, so as she gets ready to go back to Naomi, Boaz says to her, bring me the shawl that you're wearing. And so she brings it and she holds it out and he pours into it six measures of barley, which was about 80 pounds, 80 pounds. It is a huge amount. It is a very generous portion. Now, the cynical side of us might say, he's just trying to impress her. You know, he's just trying to impress her now. She's expressed interest in him. But that's not what is going on here. That's not what's going on here. Look with me at verse 16. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added... He gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. See, who is Boaz thinking about here? Naomi. Remember, she is in a desperate situation. No husband, no children to support her. Her and Ruth are barely hanging on financially. And Boaz knows that. And so he, Boaz has an opportunity to help Naomi in a tangible way. Now, the language he uses here is really fascinating. Boaz tells Ruth that he doesn't want her to go to her mother-in-law empty-handed. Now, we've actually seen that same word in this story one other time. Do you happen to remember where it is? Chapter 1, when Naomi enters into Bethlehem, she returns to Bethlehem, and everyone is surprised to see her, and she says to them, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Same word. In chapter one, she describes herself as being empty. And in chapter three, Boaz's generosity is in direct response to that emptiness. Boaz doesn't want Naomi to be empty. So he takes some of the resources he has in that moment and he gives it to them. See, there is a present tense reality to Boaz's response that is so powerful. In this particular moment, he sees a need and he responds by giving of his resources to meet that need. He didn't know Ruth was going to be there. He wasn't planning for this. He sees a need and he responds by giving of his resources to meet that need. See, one of the ways that we, that we um, can unleash the generosity of the Holy Spirit in us is to open our eyes to see the people around us in the present moment. I mean, this is how Jesus lived. He saw people, right? He engaged with people. And in those interactions, he often became aware of a need that they had. And then he responded to that need. I mean, Jesus just lived in the present moment. He was responding to needs that he saw. 
The other day I was driving out of the Walmart parking lot and in the corner of my eye, you know, I saw a, a gentleman standing there with the cardboard sign and, you know, the food, need food and, and money and all that. Um, full disclosure, I prefer to drive another way or uh, not make eye contact, eye contact if I'm kind of right there. Right, It's just easier for me to drive past, um, which is what I did. Uh, but as I was driving away, the Lord just kind of kept speaking to my heart. He prompted me to go back and to open my eyes and to see this person. So I drove back and I pulled up my car uh, next to this guy and I just said, hey, hey what's going on? Um, and he began to share his story and how he ended up, he told me all about how he ended up in Greeley and why he was needing a bus ticket to um, Hastings, Nebraska, actually, and how he'd been sleeping at, at the, the warm weather shelter here in town. And I mean, after hearing his story, I asked if I could pray with him and we prayed together. And then I just gladly handed him some money to help him get a bus ticket. See, my heart was engaged because I now had a personal connection to him. I knew his story. I knew his story. I mean, when, when you think about it, this really, when you think about it, when we get beyond the, just the initial weirdness and, and whatever, when you think about it, th this is a pretty exhilarating and fun way to live, right? To have our eyes and our hearts wide open to see the people around us, whether it's a neighbor or family or whatever, just to see the people around us, even the people closest to us, to see the people around us and to continually be asking, do I have resources that could meet a need that they have? Do I, in this present moment, have resources that could help meet a need that they have? And here's the really, really fun part. We get to do this together. We get to do this together. As you heard about earlier in the video announcements, there's a card in your newsletter this week highlighting our vision to be this kind of a church. And so your generosity through Christ community enables things like the warm weather shelter to actually happen. That ministry is happening in Greeley um, in part because of our church's generous, um, significant contributions to that. Because of your generosity, people have a warm place to sleep in our community during this season of the year. They have a warm place to sleep because of your desire to be a church that has our eyes and our hearts open to see needs around us and to actually do something about it. And we can do it collectively. In that kind of a situation, we can do something collectively that we couldn't do on our own, which is the, the together part of this. This is so fun. This whole thing is so fun. I was talking with a couple in our church a couple weeks ago, and they were sharing about how they're kind of in a season where they have this financial blessing, this finance, they've just been, they're being financially blessed by God. And they shared about how fun it is for them in this season of their life, to be able to respond to needs around them by helping people financially. So whether, you know, people who they know are going through a difficult season or know they could never visit their kids, but they need to. And so a plane ticket, they can purchase a plane ticket for them. All these things. I mean, their faces just lit up as they were telling me these stories of opportunities they have had to help meet other people's needs. I mean, generosity, it's just a pretty contagious thing. Once you begin to taste of the joy of giving, you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop. 
And let me just say, even if we are not in a season of abundance right now, even if we're, we're not in that kind of situation, we can always be looking at the people around us through this lens. Do I have a resource that they need? This could be financial, but it doesn't have to be. It could be, it, it go, generosity goes beyond, beyond simply finances. I mean, maybe what this person needs more than, more than anything is a listening ear or a driveway shoveled or a, a babysitter or tutoring or whatever. Okay, so here's, here's a practical way to apply what Boaz shows us about un unleashing generosity in the present. Ask God to help you see the present needs of people around you. See, that's the key. Once we begin to see, then our hearts kind of take over. It's the disconnect. I don't know that person on another story. You know, that, that makes it easier to just drive past. But it's once we see, then our heart kind of takes over. And so the key here is just to ask God, help me see. Help me see the people around me, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, just the people around me, the grocery store. Help me see the people around me and the needs that they may have that I could possibly help meet. Once we see those needs, we can respond if we're able to meet that need. And suddenly generosity becomes more and more a way of life. It becomes a way of cooperating with God's heart, which is, which is just fun. Now, there's one more lesson we learned from Boaz that can help us unleash the spirit of generosity within us. And this one is related to the future. Boaz understood a very important promise from God as it relates to generosity. So earlier in Ruth chapter two, Boaz articulated this promise to Ruth, who had freely chosen to give up so much in order to serve and help her mother-in-law. Okay, um, Ruth was living a testament. She was living out this generous life, clearly. So Boaz had seen that. He had heard about all that Ruth had done. So this is what he said to her, chapter two. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. See, do you see the promise here? You see the promise that Boaz knew here, the promise. God richly rewards generosity. That's a promise. That is God's promise to us. He richly rewards generosity. Now, the New Testament picks up this Old Testament theme, the Boaz theme, picks it up and it increases it, it affirms it over and over again. Um, for instance, in the passage we looked at a moment ago about cheerful giving, notice what Paul says in the next, excuse me, in the verse immediately preceding that particular one in chapter nine. Check this out. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, and again, the context is giving. Whoever sows or gives sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I mean, that's a principle we know from gardening, right? You plant a couple seeds, you get a couple little whatevers. Um, you plant a lot of seeds, you reap generously. We get that principle in the physical world. Paul's saying this is how it operates in the spiritual realm. Same principle. The extent of blessings we receive is contingent upon how fully we engage in generosity. Now, Jesus articulated this same principle. Check out what he says in Luke 6. Give, and it will be given to you. 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Man, this is powerful, the language Jesus is using here to motivate our giving. Oh, that's so unspiritual to give, so it'll be given to me. That's what he says here, right? One of the reasons we might want to engage in this life, this generous lifestyle is because of these blessings. Jesus is going to, I love the language. It's this verbal picture of rewarding generosity. Give and it'll be given to you. Blessings that are running over. I mean, the language is extravagant, running over. They're poured into your lap. I mean, it's this, this image of just abundance. See, one of the things that I think we often lose sight of in this whole generosity journey and it's something we, we, just, we just naturally lose sight of. And that's that our God is a God of abundance. He's not a Scrooge before Christmas Eve, right? He's not, oh, trying to parcel out little bits. You know, he just, he's just not. He is a God of abundance. There is no lack in him. There is no lack with God. You cannot outgive God. You can't. The more generously you live, the more blessings God lavishes upon you. The blessing of joy, unspeakable joy, right? The blessing of knowing your generosity actually changed someone's life. It impacts, someone is sleeping in a warm place tonight because of your generosity. That is a blessing. It's like, wow, thank you, God. I get to be a part of that. The blessing of learning to trust God more. There's a whole faith dimension to generosity that, man, that we just, our faith grows. Faith grows from exercising those faith muscles. And what better way than this whole area of generosity? Seeing God come through and meet our needs. And then, of course, there are the blessings promised us in heaven. These eternal rewards. We have no idea specifically what they're going to look like, but I think they're going to be amazing. These eternal rewards that we are given because of our choices on this earth to be generous. See, often when we think about giving, we fall into this trap of thinking that giving is something God wants from us. Come on, come on. You need to give. It's something he wants from us. But the reality is giving is something God wants for us. It's something he wants for us. He wants us to experience his heart. He wants us to experience all the blessings of giving spiritually and relationally and emotionally and physically. He wants that for us. As, as I mentioned earlier regarding various scientific studies, you can see there are several studies that have recently come out. It's pretty fascinating. Giving, these are scientific studies. Giving impacts every area of our lives in a good way physically, emotionally, all of these things. So here's the, the generosity lesson that we learned from Boaz as, as it relates to the future. Eagerly anticipate God's promised blessings. Eagerly anticipate God's promised blessings. When we live our lives anchored to this promise from God that he lavishly pours out blessing in response to our giving, you can find multiple verses that say that. When we live our lives anchored in that promise, when we live with that core belief, generosity becomes an exhilarating and fun adventure as you step out in faith and experience the joys and blessings of giving. Giving. So earlier, I mentioned that couple who I was talking to, and, and they were in a season, right now, are in a season of financial abundance. They're being able to help people. In the course of our conversation, they told me another story. 
They told me about a season in, their, in the life of their family several years ago. Things were not going well financially. In fact, it was Christmas Eve years ago, and they could, they could only afford to buy their children underwear and socks for Christmas. And so they only had a little amount of money left, and, 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 and they could either use that money to help provide some of their Christmas meal the next day, or they could use that money to put gas in their car so that they, go, they could go to the church service, the Christmas Eve service at church that evening. So they all voted as a family to put gasoline in the car so they could go to church. So after the church service, a friend of theirs approached them and, 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 and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about buying a, a Suburban and we know you guys own one and we, we're just wondering if we could kind of look, my wife wants to just want to look at just to see if she would like that car. And so, yeah, this couple had a, a, a you know, rundown Suburban. So they said, sure, gave them the keys and, and um, didn't think anything about it. So a little la while later, they brought the keys back in. So a little while later, when they, when they went out to their car in the parking lot, their Suburban was filled with food and toys and gifts for their children. I mean, they, they started crying. They started crying as they were telling me this story from decades ago. They started crying as they were telling this story. I was crying. It's like an amazing story. I mean, generosity is like the coolest thing. Right? It just is. We get to bless other people and, 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 and they get blessed in the process also. I mean, blessing is just multiplied all around. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing that family that put that stuff in their car was driving away, like laughing and just, did you see their face? You know, all that stuff, just about how they could be able to bless these people in that way. I mean, that's how generosity works, right? Really, that's how generosity works. Mathematically speaking, for you engineers here, or mathematical types, mathematically speaking, if we give to someone, we have less in our possession, right? Mathematically speaking, if we give to someone, we have less in our possession. But spiritually speaking, when we give to someone, we actually have more in our possession. We have more in our hearts. We have more peace. We have more joy. We have more blessings just seeing how our gifts made a difference in a person's life. We get blessed. We get blessed. See, God's invitation to us is amazing. It's inspiring. Excel in the grace of giving. You and I were created for this. We were created for this. You were created in Christ Jesus with this amazing capacity for generosity. As we allow the spirit to be unleashed in us, not only will other people be impacted by it, but your life will be full and it will be transformed along the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's so relevant. And for these examples in scripture of people who they're just living out what you're saying and blessing is just surrounding them. They're blessing others. They're being blessed. Thank you for this model of Boaz to us and of Ruth. These models for your words in scripture. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you know where each one of us, you know where we're at in this journey of generosity, and I pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts right now. You would speak to our hearts right now. So as we're quieting our hearts, we've asked the Holy Spirit to 
apply this. Let's just kind of go these over these three points prayerfully. First of all, maybe the issue that where God has his finger on is in the, our past, that this idea of aligning our lives with past commands in the Bible, this command to excel in the grace of giving. Lord, are we aligning our lives according to your word? According to these path, these commands you've given us in the past. And if not, would you help us do that? In specific and tangible ways, Lord. To align our lives with what your word says about generosity. And to say, yeah, we're choosing that. Because God said it. We're choosing that. And I pray as well, Lord, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us about this, this present area. This, this idea of just seeing people. And I, I want to encourage us right now, just in the quiet of heart, just ask God to help you see the people around you in need. And it might be your spouse. It might be a child in your family. It might be a neighbor. And it might be someone that you see tonight on your way home or tomorrow or whenever you see. Ask God, Lord, help me see the people in need around me. Another third area is just this area of the future. And Jesus, what are you saying to us here? Just this, this idea of anticipating your blessings that you promise in your word. Would you help us believe those promises in such a, a, an amazing way that we continue to uh, grow in generosity, realizing it is way more blessed to give than receive. That's what you tell us, Jesus. So I pray for this, that this idea of blessings that Boaz is so rooted in that it would, we would be rooted in that same truth. Mm. So Holy Spirit, would you help us? Help us just be who you created us to be. You, you are living in us and you are an incredibly generous God. We just want to kind of, kind of get out of the way and let you be generous through us. <laughs> and so we pray for that, Lord. Pray for that. We love you, God. And thank you that one of the ways we get to bless you is by giving you praise and worship. And so we want to do that right now, Lord. We want to worship you and praise you. So we ask you to set us free to do that. So why don't we stand, whatever campus you're at here, why don't we stand? If at some point you want to sit on, that's totally cool. If at some point you want to go to a prayer station and be prayed for by one of our prayer team members there. If you want to give an offering to the Lord, just in response to his goodness to, to you, um, the offering stations are around. Our, we, we just want to worship him. So we love you, Jesus. We worship you. Thank you, God.